it's Friday night and that means it's time for the Three Valleys Radio Racing Show. Simon Clare joins us from Coral to talk about the new Coral Racing Club. Tom Skinnamore joins us to talk about the weapon debate. a new equine superstar to talk about. We go over to Melbourne Port and chat to Joe Tizard. And we also catch up with Richard Phillips with his early look at the King George. With all the news and fixtures, And of course, our two expert tipsters, Colin Brown and Dave Wilson. It makes for a pretty full show. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the racing show. Let's waste no time and get straight into all the news with Mike Pat. Hello and a very warm welcome along to this week's edition of the Racing News with all the news that is the news across the racing media including Racing TV, the Racing Post and the Sporting Life. And here's our first story this week. A travel-related illness has been identified as the reason behind A-plus Tard's Betfair Chase blowout, with Cheveley Park studs Richard Thompson optimistic the dazzling Cheltenham Gold Cup winner will be back in time for a tilt at this month's Savage Chase. Pulling up before the third-last fence at Haydock last month marked the first time in A-plus Tard's 20-race career that he had not finished in the first three, having been sent off the 1-2 favourite against ready winner Protectorat. Layers responded to the uncharacteristic defeat by pushing him out to be as big as 10-1 to from 4-1 to for a repeat in this season's boodle-backed Cheltenham highlight and the Henry de Bromhead trained performer could be given the chance to get back on track at the Leopardstown Christmas Festival on December the 28th. Thompson said he wasn't injured at Haydock, but he wasn't well. There was something up with his bloods, I think, and I believe there is still a good chance of him running this month. He was fine when we left Ireland to go to Haydock, but it looks like he picked something up on his way there. He wasn't a well horse when he ran. Thompson added, The big goal, of course, is to get back to Cheltenham again, but we'd love to run in the Savills chase if possible. The Gold Cup was just incredible for us last season. In terms of our history, that will go down as being right up there in the top five moments for us. It was just magnificent. Thompson suggested it remains a possibility that their dual Ryanair chase scorer, Alaho, could have one run before returning to Cheltenham. His festival prep in the past two seasons came when winning the Grade 2 Horse and Jockey Hotel Chase at Thurles in late January. Asked whether the same contest could be an option for Alaho to appear before Cheltenham, Thompson said, I think it's possible. Willie seemed quite confident he'd be back for Cheltenham, but you'd like to see him have a run beforehand. I don't think the issues were that big, more so niggly things. I'd hope he'll run once before Cheltenham and then go on to Punchestown. Thompson also confirmed the, quote, very exciting Sir Gerhard will be campaigned over fences this season. 
while impressive Down Royal champion chase winner Envoy Allen remains on target for a tilt at the Ladbrook King George VI chase at Kempton. Among the many highs that Cheverly Park's famous red, white and blue silks have savoured in jump racing's recent seasons, the prominent operation have had their fair share of bad luck with hugely talented Grade 1 winner Fernie Hollow. It was confirmed this week that the 2020 champion Bumper Victor will miss a third consecutive Cheltenham Festival due to a hind tendon injury. Thompson said, You would be optimistic in the sense that he is just a seven-year-old, but the only problem is he ain't been out before. You've got to be realistic as well as hopeful. Grange Clare West, a £430,000 point-to-point recruit, could be poised to develop into Cheverly Park's latest big star, following a highly impressive maiden hurdle win at Navan last month. The Willie Mullins-trained six-year-old tops the market for the Albert Bartley Novices hurdle at a general five-to-one, while he is no bigger than eight-to-one second favourite for the Ballymore Novices hurdle. Thompson said he looks the real deal potentially. Willie felt that he could have done one of his best Irish maiden hurdles in years last time at Navan, and the way he won it was great. Hopefully there's more improvement to come and you've got to cross your fingers that he remains sound. Next, here on the Racing News. Top-class chaser Fernie Hollow's luckless run with injury goes on as the Willie Mullins train star has been ruled out for the season after suffering a setback. Priced between 6-1 and 10-1 for this season's Betway Queen Mother Champion Chase, Fernie Hollow will now miss three consecutive Cheltenham festivals due to injury, having been the Antipost's second favourite for the 2021 Supreme Novices Hurdle and favourite for this year's Arkle. Mullins and Cheverly Park's managing director Chris Richardson confirmed on Friday morning the 2020 champion bumper winner had encountered a hind tendon injury and would be absent for the season. Richardson said, He's out for the season, sadly, with what I am advised is a hind leg tendon strain. It's very frustrating and goes to show you have to enjoy the highs. The Cheverly Park stud-owned seven-year-old who saw off Bob Ollinger when winning his only start over hurdles in November 2020 created a tremendous impression over fences last season. A high-class chasing debut success at Punchestown was followed up by winning the Grade 1 Racing Post's novice chase at Leopardstown, but he has not been seen since that 2021 Christmas festival success. Hopes had been high that the 160-rated chaser would be a major player in the two-mile chasing division this season, and he was declared to make his seasonal reappearance in the four-trier chase at Navan on November the 13th. Mullins decided against running the five-time winner on account of drying ground, with conditions described as yielding. News of Fernie Hollow's absence means stablemate Energimine has hardened at the top of the champion chase betting to a general evens favourite from 6-4. to four. Brilliant Tingle Creek chase scorer Edward Stone is priced between 9-4 to four and 3-1 to one to make it back-to-back festival wins after his victory in last season's Arkle. And next here on the Racing News. 
Milton Harris expects to fly home to Britain this week after spending two weeks in hospital in Thailand, more than half of which was in intensive care with, quote, life-threatening blood clots. As well as being eager to leave hospital, the trainer is relishing the prospect of returning to the racecourse for the reappearance of his unbeaten juvenile hurdler scriptwriter at Doncaster on Saturday and for the hurdling debut of Gentle Slopes, described by Harris as the apple of my eye. Harris was taken ill after arriving in Thailand, where he had been due to spend a week on a golfing holiday with friends. However, speaking from hospital on Tuesday, the trainer said his ordeal was near its end. I'm sat here now waiting for the results of blood tests and I'm hoping to fly home on Thursday, he said. I feel fine and I don't think there's anything to stop me leaving, although I'm not particularly looking forward to the 13-hour flight home. I've been here for 13 days, eight of which have been in intensive care. The flight over was 11 and a half hours and I slept for nine of them and I normally don't do that. When I got off the plane, I knew not long after I was in trouble as I had severe pain. I was taken to hospital at 3am and the staff at the hospital were brilliant. In no time I had been seen, blood tests were taken, I'd been x-rayed and had been admitted to intensive care. Despite being admitted to hospital, Harris has kept a close eye on operations at his yard and praised the hard work and stoicism of his staff in his absence. He said, The team have been extraordinary. There are a lot of young staff there who have been brilliant, and Tony Charlton, my assistant, couldn't have been better. I've been kept up to date with videos every day, and I've still been making all the entries and declarations. What happened to me was life-threatening, but it wasn't debilitating, so I've been able to stay active and the horses have kept me sane. My lungs filled with blood as I had pulmonary embolisms in both lungs, so it wasn't nice, but because it wasn't debilitating, there are people worse off than me. Harris is preparing to run two of his most promising young horses this week, with listed bumper winner Gentle Slopes engaged in novice hurdles at Bangor and Cheltenham on Friday, while scriptwriter is likely to run in the listed Bet 365 Summit Juvenile Hurdle at Doncaster on Saturday, a race won last year by stablemate Knight Salute. Harris said, We've got some nice horses and it always helps to have them there. Gentle Slopes, who is the apple of my eye, runs on Friday and is one I'm looking forward to as well as Scriptwriter. Scriptwriter is going to run and at the moment we're leaning towards Doncaster with him. He gets less of a penalty going there and it's the same route we took with Knight Salute last year. He's a very nice horse and without wanting to sound like I'm doing Knight Salute down, because he's an absolute legend of a horse, this fella has got more class than him. I don't think we'll run Scriptwriter as often as we ran Knight Salute. We'll go at the weekend with him and then that'll be him until something like the Adonis Hurdle at Kempton in February. And that's the thought process at the moment. And next, here on the Racing News. Ronan McNally has described himself as, quote, deeply disappointed and dissatisfied with the findings of a major investigation into the improvement of horses linked to him after the trainer was found guilty of the majority of charges presented by the Irish Horse Racing Regulatory Board. 
Sanctions for the breaches, which include causing, quote, serious damage to the interests of horse racing in Ireland, look set to be delivered early in the new year. But IHRB referrals committees have the power to withdraw or suspend any person's licence for any period of time and impose a fine of up to €100,000 for each rule breach. McNally, who rose to prominence in recent seasons through the exploits of Smart's Jumps performers Drill Deal and The Jump Man, as well as other well-backed winners, says he will contest the charges after being found to be at least partially in breach of 10 of 11 alleged rule infringements by an IHRB referrals committee, which convened over four days in October to consider the long-running saga. The committee was satisfied that McNally had, quote, used the racecourse as a training ground and schooled in public with the objective of acquiring a lenient official handicap rating for his horses and was deemed to have achieved, quote, a pattern of improvement in the form of horses at a level previously unfamiliar to experienced and long-serving handicapping officials. McNally said, on legal advice, I don't want to make too much comment at this stage, as there is still another hearing in January to attend. However, I am deeply disappointed and dissatisfied with the findings to date. The committee did not find that McNally had secured a pattern of organising betting coups in association with improvement in form but determined that he had passed on, quote, information about the condition and well-being of Drill Deal to allow others to profit from betting on the horse with a betting organisation. It was established that he had concealed his ownership of horses in other training yards and organised, quote, the manipulation of official handicap ratings for all class and full noise who both landed gambles when trained by David Dunn last year but are owned by McNally and have run under his name since. Dunn was found in breach of conspiring with McNally to conceal his ownership of the pair. Details of the charges proven against McNally and Dunn, as well as others implicated in the case, such as point-to-point -point handler Kieran Fennessy and jockeys Durar O'Keefe, Ewan O'Brien and Mark Enright were published by the IHRB on Tuesday. Fennessy, who had bought Full Noise in 2019 and has been credited with selling McNally prolific winners The Jam Man, Drill Deal, The Barber Elephant and CW, has been found in breach of the three charges he was facing. They include causing serious damage to the interests of racing by passing on, quote, inside information about the condition and well-being of Drill Deal to allow others to profit from betting on the horse with a betting organisation and conduct prejudicial to the integrity and good reputation of the sport. The committee also determined Fennessy had conspired with McNally and or others to include Fennessy's father Liam and brother Aaron, who are not licensed by the IHRB, to, quote, engage in a corrupt and fraudulent practice in relation to the passing of inside information for betting purposes and or concealing the true ability of horses so as to obtain handicap marks not reflective of their ability.
Amateur jockey O'Brien was found in breach of all four charges against him in relation to his ride on Drill Deal in a two-mile flat maiden at Nevan in July 2020, when he was beaten 45 lengths in finishing 10th of 18 runners at 250 to 1. At the time, the Daily Stewards report did not note any concerns relating to the ride. However, the committee has retrospectively found that O'Brien deliberately prevented the subsequent six-time winner from running on its merits in intentionally not allowing him to exit the stalls in a timely manner and that he schooled the horse in public. They also determined Drill Deal was, quote, ridden in such a way that the horse could not be seen to have been the subject of a genuine attempt to obtain from the horse a timely, real and substantial effort to achieve the best possible placing, and that he failed to report the slow start to IHRB officials as required. Grade 1 winning rider O'Keefe was found in breach of just one of the four charges he faced relating to his ride on Drill Deal in a one-mile, one-and-a-half furlong flat maiden at Gowron Park in June of 2020, in which he finished 13 of 15 runners at 100-1. to The committee was not satisfied that O'Keefe deliberately prevented the subsequent Grade 2 Moscow Flyer Novice Hurdle winner from running on its merits, but established he failed to report the slow start and or that the horse took a blow during the race. It was a similar outcome for Galway Plate winning jockey Enright, who was found in breach of failing to make a report on Drill Deal's slow start at the Carrar in July 2020 when finishing last in a mile maiden at 200 to 1. He was cleared of three other riding relating charges. Irish Jockeys Association Secretary Andrew Coonan, whose firm Coonan Corley Solicitors provided legal representation for O'Keefe and Enright, is, quote, very pleased with the outcome for both riders. Coonan said, At all stages in the investigation, they were very forthcoming and frank in their evidence, and I'm delighted the decision reflects there was no wrongdoing on their part other than the issue of failing to make a report. Dunn was found in breach of supplying misleading information and or false information to an official at a steward's inquiry at Navan in March 2021 and failed to lodge the correct ownership details with Horse Racing Ireland to related handicap winners, all class, full noise and petrol head. The committee did not find Dunn to have campaigned all class and or full noise with the objective of manipulating official handicap ratings or achieving, quote, improvement in form of full noise at a level previously unfamiliar to experienced and long-serving handicap officials. It was deemed the McNally failed to properly school Drill Deal and the Jump Man for exiting starting stalls in preparation for their appearances in flat maidens, and both deterred and prevented the pair from running to their maximum ability in such events. McNally was found to have treated the rules of racing in a, quote, in a cavalier manner and disregarded the need to report a series of issues relevant to the proper conduct and management of racing. 
in response to queries from the Racing Post surrounding why the amounts involved in the lay bets were not included in Tuesday's findings, with such figures having been disclosed in last year's Viking Horde case, a spokesman for the IHRB said a full written decision on the case will be issued in due course and it is up to that panel as to what is included in that publication. The referrals committee was chaired by Justice Brian McGovern with Nicholas Swackman and Peter Allen also on the panel while the IHRB case was presented by Louise Weston and Quiba Daly. McNally was represented by Amy Hughes while Frank Crean was the legal authority on behalf of Enright and O'Keefe. This has been this week's Racing News. With all the news that is the news across the racing media, including Racing TV, The Racing Post and The Sporting Life. I'm Mike Padden. Thanks for listening and join us again next time for the Racing News. Now let's find out where we can go racing this weekend. OK, starting with Newcastle. There are eight races over the jumps uh, with an 11.25 start. Lingfield, on the all-weather, there are seven races over the flat and an 11.44 start. Haydock, seven races over the jumps at Haydock, 11.50 start. Fairy House in Ireland, seven races over the jumps at Fairy House with a 12.07 start. Ascot, six races over the jumps with a 12.35 start. Chelmsford, Seven races over the flat on the all-weather with a 110 start. And there's also some racing in the United Arab Emirates. But obviously, uh, and we're recording this ahead of time, dependent on the weather. The weather could scupper all our plans. And on Sunday, there are eight races over the jumps at Navan with a 12 o'clock start. Seven races over the jumps at Fakenham. 12.22 start. Seven races on the flat at Wolverhampton on the all-weather with a 12.39 start. Uh, seven races over the jumps at Thurles in Ireland with a 12.44 start. And racing also at Sharjah in the United Arab Emirates. And now it's time for our equine superstar feature. And this week we're featuring the great Red Rum. Equine Superstars The Racing Show pays homage to some of the superstars of the turf. And this week we're talking Red Rum. Red Rum was foaled on the 3rd of May 1965 by Coram out of Maret. Rummy was bred by Martin McKinney in Ireland and he was owned by Noel Lemaire. Red Rum won £146,409 which might not seem much, but it was only 1965 and it was a huge amount of money. Trained by Ginger McCain, Red Rum won the National in 1973, 1974 and second in 1975 and 1976 and won it again in 1977. He was initially ridden by Brian Fletcher for the first two wins in the National and then subsequently Tommy Stack took over and won in 1975. 
So let's go back in time and remind ourselves of one of those victories at Aintree. Forty-two runners faced the starter for what was to prove the most historic Grand National of the television era. The starter calling for the course to be cleared. The contestants, he asked them if they're all right. And this looks like it, they're off. And Spitten Image on the far side is the first to show of that group. And Boondocker on the near side with Andy Pandy and Nerio right up with him and San Willen and Brown Admiral. And over on the far side, Spitten Image, with going up with him, Collingwood on the near side, it's Boom Docker. And as they cross the Melling Road, and we go over to join John Hammer, it's Boom Docker from Sebastian, Brown Admiral, San Willen, and Andy Pandy, and what a buck, and over to you, John. And Sebastian just about the leader at the first on the inside from Duffelcoat on the outside, and Duffelcoat has gone. He's the first one to go. It looked as if Spitting Image went as well. Willie Watt has gone. And as they go to the second fence, it's Sebastian in the lead from Prince Rock, then Brown Admiral, then Forrest King, then comes Andy Pandy. No fallers at the second fence, and at the third, the big ditch, it's Sebastian in the lead from Prince Rock, and Brown Admiral and Forrest King have made a mistake. The fall there, Davy Ladd, Davy Ladd has gone, and Innie Carrow has gone, Verator has gone, and also Royal Thrust, and over to Julian Wilson. And over that one, Sebastian led towards the centre, towards the far side is Prince Rock, towards the stand side is Boom Docker with San Willen, Brown Admiral just behind the leader, then comes Hidden Value, and tracking the leaders on the far side is Sage Merlins, they jumped the one before Beecher, Sebastian over from, over in second, Boom Docker, then came Hidden Value in the centre, Prince Rock towards the far side, and... Also behind that on the far side is Sage Merlin. Then comes Brown Admiral as they race down towards Beaches with Sebastian leading from Boom Docker. Prince Rock, Hidden Value, and Brown Admiral over Beaches. Sebastian over. And Sebastian's gone at Beaches. Sebastian's a faller. Another faller, Song Rider, is brought down at the back of the field. And Winter Rain is also a faller at Beaches. And Castle Rudder is a faller at Beaches. And Lord of the Hill also. And Charlotte Brew is just over. She's over last of all and she's been badly impeded. But over the next one and racing down towards the canal turn is now Boom Docker in the lead from Brown Admiral second, Hidden Value is third, then comes Prince Rock and Forest King on the inside of Sage Merlin. Then comes Sand Willen and Andy Pandy as they jump the canal turn. And over it, it was Boom Docker from Brown Admiral, Hidden Value. A bad mistake there by Forest King. In fourth place is Prince Rock, fifth is Forest King, sixth is Sage Merlin, then comes Sand Willen behind that and Andy Pandy and Roman Barr and then comes Red Rum as they jump that one and still out front is Boom Docker. Boom Docker by ten lengths from Brown Admiral second, Hidden Value third. In fourth on the outside is Prince Rock with Sage Merlin. Then comes Forrest King as they jump the next and we rejoin John Hammer. And Pengrail was a faller at the first and so was Warbonnet, but it's Boom Docker out clear of Prince Rock. Then Sage Merlin is in third place. Over this next fence, Boondocker over in the lead, not so far in front now, of Sage Merlin. Then comes Prince Rock, then Brown Admiral and Hidden Value. And then comes Red Ram, who's going well. And as they go to what will be the third last on the next circuit, it's Boondocker out clear. Sage Merlin is second, Prince Rock third. And Prince Rock went there. And that leaves Hidden Value in third place. Then comes Andy Pandy and Red Ram and Brown Admiral. Then comes Raymond Barr and Forrest King. 
and as they head towards the 13th fence, it's Boondocker right clear of Sage Merlin, Hidden Value, Andy Pandy and Red Rum. And Charlotte Bruce still going as we join Peter O'Sullivan. And Boondocker a long way clear. Sage Merlin hitting the remainder ahead of Hidden Value, then comes Andy Pandy, then Red Rum. Just in behind them come Brown Admiral going strongly and Roman Barr and Forrest King. But as they come down now towards the 13th, it's Boom Docker, a long way clear of Sage Merlin, who's going to jump it second. Jumping it third is Hidden Value. Red Rum and Andy Pandy next, followed by Roman Barr and Brown Admiral. Then comes Sir Garnet going well. As they come down to the next, Boom Docker well clear of Sage Merlin. And then closely grouped are Red Rum, Happy Ranger, Andy Pandy, Hidden Value, Brown Admiral, Waterbuck, Sir Garnet. Behind Sir Garnet is Nerio coming to the chair now, Boom Docker. Boom Docker a long way clear at the chair. And he's over the 15th, clear. Sage Merlin comes in to jump it second. And he's down. Sage Merlin a faller there. Hidden Value jumps it next from Waterbuck. Andy Pandy behind them, Brown Admiral. Then comes Red Rum and Roman Barr and then Sagarnit. And Boom Docker clear over the water. And it's Andy Pandy who leads the next group over the water, followed by Hidden Value and Waterbuck and Brown Admiral, then Roman Barr, and then comes Red Rum, then Sir Garnet on the inside, then Sandwithin and Forest King and Nerio and Happy Ranger, then the Pilgarlic, then comes Churchtown Boy, on the inside of Churchtown Boy is Zeta's son, and behind them come Eyecatcher, then Collingwood, then Carroll Street, and the songwriter, a long way back behind the songwriter is Gay Vulgan, then For Sale, behind For Sale is Charlotte Brew, just taken the water, getting a cheer from the crowd as going down out into the country, Boom Dockers, a long way clear of Andy Paddy and Waterbuck and, Bar and Bo Barney Ford still continuing and over to John Hanber. Docker refused when well clear at the 17th and this leaves Andy Pandy in front, all the leaders over that safely. It's Andy Pandy out clear himself now of hidden value, then Waterbuck on the inside. Then comes Red Rum, and they're over the 18th. And all the leaders once again jumping it safely, though a mistake by Collingwood, and it's Andy Pandy coming to the ditch in the lead from Waterbuck, Hidden Value, Red Rum, then Rainbar, Brown Admiral, and Nerio. Then comes Sir Garnet and Forrest King. And going to the 20th fence, it's Andy Pandy clear of Waterbuck, then Nerio. And then comes Roman Barr, Hidden Value, Red Rum, and Brown Admiral, and over to Julian Wilson. Yes, and Andy Pandy is well, well clear from Waterbuck in second place. Towards the outside is Red Rum, who's going really well as they come down to the one before Beaches, and Andy Pandy is ten lengths clear over it. Andy Pandy from Waterbuck over in second, Nerio's over in third, then Red Rum towards the outside. Behind those are Happy Ranger, then Brown Admiral, uh, Churchtown Boy rather, behind that. Just behind that is Sagarnet towards the inside is Brown Admiral and Hidden Value as the leader. Comes to Beecher's book for the second time and Randy Pandy is down, Andy Pandy down at Beecher's. Nerio is also down at Beecher's and Brown Admiral's gone at Beecher's as well. But the rest of the field are over and coming to the 23rd fence. It's now Red Rum disputing it with Waterbuck. Just behind these is Churchtown Boy, then Happy Ranger and Sagarnet. And over that one, it's Red Rum who leads. Red Rum is the leader as they race down towards the canal turn. Red Rum from Churchtown Boy and Waterbuck, then Happy Ranger, and behind that is the Pill Garlic and Sagarnet as Red Rum jumps the canal turn in front. Red Rum by two or three lengths from Churchtown Boy and second in third is Waterbuck in fourth. 
and Sagan is the faller there. In fourth is Happy Ranger, in fifth is the Pilgodic, sixth is Eye Catcher, seventh is Hidden Value, eighth is Forest Rock, ninth is Cedar Sun, tenth is Eye Catcher. As they come to the next, we rejoin John Hanmer. And it's Red Rum in a clear lead from Churchtown Boy in second place. Red Rum. Over there, he pecks slightly on landing. Churchtown Boy second, Waterbuck is third, the Pilgarlic is fourth. Then comes Happy Ranger. And this is the last ditch, the fourth from home. And Red Rum's in the lead, a lot of loose horses after him. Churchtown Boy's over second, the Pilgarlic is third. Then comes Eyecatcher, then Waterbuck and Happy Ranger, then Forest King. And Carroll Street is next, and at the third last, it's Red Ram over in the lead, chased by Churchtown Boy. The Pilgarlic is third, Eyecatcher fourth, Waterbuck is fifth, Happy Ranger is sixth, then Forest King seventh, Carroll Street eighth, and we've got to look, look a long way back for anything else, but Red Ram the leader across the Melling Road, Churchtown Boy closing, the Pilgarlic in third place, Eyecatcher fourth, and over to you, Peter. And it's Red Rum with two loose horses around him now. Just two fences left to jump between he and Grand National History. But close in behind him is Churchtown Boy. The Pill Garlic is about six lengths away. Then comes the Mayor Eye Catcher and then Waterbuck. And behind them, Happy Ranger, then Forest King and Carroll Street. They're virtually the only ones left in the 1977 Grand National. And Churchtown Boy is still making relentless progress. Martin Blackshaw coming there very squeakily on Churchtown Boy. But Red Rum is still holding the lead now as they jump the second last. He's over the second last in the lead. Churchtown Boy didn't jump it too well, and it's Red Rum and Tommy Stack now from Churchtown Boy, the Pill Garlic and Eye Catcher, as they come to the last fence in the National. And Red Rum with a tremendous chance of winning his third National. He jumps it clear of Churchtown Boy. He's getting the most tremendous cheer from the crowd. They're winning him home now. The 12 year old Red Rum being preceded only by loose horses, being chased by Churchtown Boy. Eye Catcher has moved into third with the Pill Garlic fourth. They're coming to the elbow. And he's coming up to the line to win it like a fresh horse in great style. His hat's off and a tremendous reception. You've never heard one like it at Liverpool. Red Run wins the national. Coming up towards the line, a tired now, but game, Churchtown Boy. Holds eye catcher. Churchtown Boy is second. Eye catcher is third. Fourth is the Bill Garlic and fifth Forest King. Sixth is Waterbuck and seventh is Happy Ranger. So Red Rum wins for a record third time with Tommy Stack on board to become the most successful horse in Grand National history, having won three times and come second twice. Fantastic. And it's been a real pleasure to feature Red Rum on the show. Right, well that was Red Rum. Now we've got a fantastic offer from Coral Racing. Have you heard about the Coral Racing Club? which is free to enter. Well, <clears throat> we've only just picked up on it, but we've got the main man to talk to us about it, and that is Simon Clare from Corals. Okay, well, I'm pleased to have uh, uh, Simon Clare from Corals on the line with us. Um, Simon, can you just tell us a little bit about the new Corals Racing Club and what it, what, what, you know, what people will get from it and, um, yeah, what it's all about, basically? Yeah, we decided, uh, we thought, uh, we've got so many regular... Um, uh, customers who bet on racing every week, you know, on the big festivals and the Saturdays. We thought uh, it would justify really just creating this free-to-join racing club, you know, modelled on some of the microshare syndicates that you see, you know, sort of heavily promoted at the moment, you know, where people spend relatively little to get the experience of uh, owning a share in a horse. Um, but we thought, well, we could effectively um, provide that for our customers for free. You mm. know, so we, we launched the Coral Racing Club a few weeks ago, um, we've had an incredible sign-up from uh, over 30,000 
uh, of our coral customers have, have now signed up to join the coral racing club and we have uh, five horses yeah um we had uh, four we bought we had originally bought four uh, including andy mack who's been uh, a coral horse for a few years and then recently we've just gone to the sales uh, with john joe neil and bought a fifth horse uh, so we have four jumpers andy mack lady mendoza uh, a horse called west end boy uh, with joe tizard um, and then we've got this new horse, Heyday Baby, also with John Joe. And then we've got a flat horse called Conservative, trained by Scott Dixon. So there are five horses. Yeah. Um, and every time one of these horses runs, uh, we run a competition amongst all our members um, for them to be the owner for the day. And if they manage to win that prize, they get to go racing, be the owner with a guest, experience all the thrills of being in the paddock and uh, being in the owner's hospitality, etc. And they also get 10% of the prize money should their horse the horse of the day wins that's something that we offer which no other syndicate or racing club offers so uh that's the that's the manifesto and it's proving quite popular at the moment and uh, apart from my entry which has already been sent off how many have you got now yes we, we, we're we're at thirty-two thousand and counting and we, we sort of set ourselves a very ambitious target to have fifty thousand. yeah uh, joined by christmas but um we're sort of well on on track but i mean no we're thrilled i mean it's a it's kind of a no-brainer because, say, if you're a regular customer of Corals and you bet you like racing, why wouldn't you? But um, yeah, we are encouraging so many people. We had some really good feedback. We had uh, uh, three three owners attended Carlisle when Annie Mack made her debut a few weeks ago, and all three of them talked about the great content. Because we were working with Equine Productions, a really good uh, production company um, owned by Nathan Horrocks, um, who looked after many clouds and on the show. And he set up his production company. And they produced some amazing videos, and footage of the horses, at the, you know, at the stables. And, yeah. and so it really just gives that feeling of what it's like to have a share in a race. Well, I've probably seen one of them, but I'm not, I probably wasn't aware of it at the time because I, I often go over to Joe Tizard. I know Joe very well because well, he's not that far from where we're based. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I might well have seen him. So. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, he's, you know, Joe's, Joe, we obviously sponsor the, the Joe Tizard yeah. now. So, obviously, yeah. we're always going to have, we're always going to have a horse with uh, with Joe, and uh, his was an unnamed Westerner. So the actual we, one of the first competitions we launched with the racing club was it was the chance to to win the chance to name uh, that horse, and um, and one of our members you know chose West End Boy, and and that was voted uh, to be the name of the horse. So it's great, really. You know, he's a Westerner uh, trained by the Tizards, and I think he's the plan is for him to be out on a New Year's Day at Exeter for his first run. So there'll be a competition to own him uh, starting, you know, when, when the entries are made six days before then. Yeah. Now, now, realistically, I mean, you know, what sort of levels of racing are you aiming at? Well, we, we, the, the five the five horses we've got, the four we bought, we had Annie Mac before, the four we bought were, were all in the region of £40,000. So, yeah. you know, we're, you know not, not insignificant amounts, but at the same time, you know, jump horses aren't cheap. So you're always... Uh, you know, you're hoping to land something nice. I mean, Lady Mendoza made her debut for Rebecca um, a couple of weeks ago and ran really well. She came second. So straight yeah. away, you feel you've got a horse who can win races. And that's the pri- that's the first challenge yeah. with any anyone owning racehorses, isn't it? Have you, yeah. have, when you get a horse, have you got a horse who can compete? And then you always you always hope that maybe, you know, one of those horses might turn out to be quite decent. I and mean, Joe Tizard said, you know, it's already talking about the Western, this, this horse West End boy saying, well, you never know, we're running a, a bumper, then a couple of other hurdles, and if he's good enough for run at Cheltenham. So, yeah. Of course, gets you, gets you all very excited. The reality is, of course, we know it might not, that might not happen, but it's a nice treat. So, no, and, that's right. Know, we, that's we, right. We do as well as we can, I suppose, is the, is the mantra. Well, I've certainly, you know, I've experienced the, the, um, the whole concept of it because I've, I've, oh, I've finished now but I've had two years with Hot to Trot Racing which I expect you've come across on your travels yeah. and uh, no you're right I mean it, it, there is just no nothing like being at the racetrack and you look out there and think well 
I own that horse, or at least I own his left testicle or whatever it might be. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you get that thrill of seeing the horse. You know, I mean, we went to, uh, where was it, Sandown, I think, where one of mine has run. And it started off at about one to eleven, I think, which was which was quite yeah. a, a one easily, you know. But no, it's just yeah. that whole concept. Oh, you know, you're in the paddock, you meet the trainer, and, and obviously that's what you've latched onto, which is which is great, I think, from from all the punters' point of view. I mean, do you think it's unrealistic to think that, you know, we might better win a, a, a group race? Well, I mean, I think you know, for the jump, for the jump part of the, the club with Annie Mack, you've always got the hopes of doing well because she's already a very established. 140 rated mare, you know, and she, yeah. she she ran third in a list race Carlisle. You know, she might go to Doncaster on the 29th for a really nice 75 grand listed race, which she won two years ago. So you know, so you you know, with her, you're you're mixing in in good company. But that's no, not unrealistic. I mean, I think it's more maybe more chance on the jumps. We're already talking about the flat plan because we're going to obviously the club's going to touch wood last for years. So we yeah. we're going to be yeah. going to buy. Again, similar sort of budget, probably four flat horses around the 40 grand mark. And I mean, what's been great fun, Eddie, is um, we've actually, since launching it, and we've obviously got a TV advert going, and we've got loads of print ads in the, in the racing press and yeah. social media activity, we've actually been contacted by various flat trainers uh, yeah. who, are, who are offering themselves forward to train for us. Oh, you that's, know, that's fair. Yeah. That's always quite nice. It's, but it's nice that people want to almost come and join the party, you know, mm. so... Um, yeah, you never know. I mean, I think I mean the primary aim with a horse for the club is almost to run as often as possible, so lots of our members get the chance to go racing. Like yeah, you said, it's yeah. a great experience. Whether you're at, whether you're at Plumpton on a Monday or Lincoln on a Tuesday or Sandown on a Saturday, you say it's still great fun, isn't it? Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah the, more, you know, the more the more horses you buy, and the, if you if you're working with the right trainers, you've got a chance maybe of landing a horse who goes on and becomes that bit better than maybe you know you could dream of. And how old are the horses that you bought? The ones we bought currently with jumpers, I think there's, I think uh, Lady Mendoza's a five-year-old from memory. West End Boy's a four-year-old. Obviously, Annie Max, I think, is eight, turning nine. So the, the, the four, I mean, and Conservative's a three-year-old, the flat horse. So, yeah. um, and Hey Day Baby, I think she's a four-year-old mare. So they're all, I mean, they're all, yeah. they're all young horses bar Annie Max. <laughs> you know, Annie Max, three Annie Max last season. I think, I mean, that's an exciting thing because we'll probably breed from her and we've just got to decide whether we sell her um, as a broodmare, or we decide to almost have a breeding angle for the car race club. And I think my temptation would be to breed from her because it'd be such a great, you know, if, we, if you're trying to bring stories to racing fans that they don't necessarily know or understand, what better than to actually tell the story of Annie Mack being covered, yeah. having touch with a foal, you yeah, know, seeing yeah. that foal maybe sold or race, you know. So, I mean, that, that really is a long term plan. That's a commitment, isn't it? We, if we, mm. we, we just like, because obviously you're breeding jumbles, they don't race to their four at the earliest. So that'd yeah. be a five-year plan with Annie Mack and breeding, but uh, and then the flat horses. I'm sure we look at two-year-olds, two, probably two-year-olds for the flat, with maybe a couple of three-year-olds, a couple of two-year-olds, a couple of three-year-olds. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to. We do. We just got to firm up exactly how we we'll approach that. But, um, Early days, yeah, yet, isn't it? Really. On with that exactly. You know, but uh, but I mean, it's certainly they've they've all got a, you know a long hopefully a long um life in front of them if they're only three or four year olds so i mean they've got plenty of time to uh get a few races in in, in that time haven't they so from a you know a, a member's point of view you're going to get a, a lot for your for your money that you're not paying anyway exactly and, and then that's right i mean we you know in starting you know that's the thing these aren't things you can sort of switch on or switch off so we, you know even when I, the people at coral who've worked on this you know with me to launch the club um, it's the intention to establish something that lasts for some time. And, you know, we've we, we quite a good track record, Coral, not doing things like, you know, 
here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, uh, you know, the Coral Eclipse we sponsored since 1976. The Coral Welsh National coming up, we sponsored that since 72. We're actually celebrating 50 years of sponsoring the Coral Welsh National this year. Yeah. So um, what's, what's nice from my personal perspective is that when we, we don't do things on a whim and then stop, you know, Coral, uh, even the more recent things like Joe Tizard, we've been sponsoring the Tizard team for five years, Tom Scudamore for five years, Jim Crowley for four. You know, mm. you can't just chop and change these things because you want them to become established and recognized. And and so so I think, you know, with the racing club and the amount of money we're putting into it, it's an intention to to be this to become something really established, an established part of betting with Coral is to have, yeah. you know, if you're a racing fan, you bet with Coral and you join the racing club. And, and I'd like to think in five years time, we'll be having this conversation, looking back and talking about how well it's gone. You know, yeah. so we've got to, we've got to, we've got to, you know, start now and then keep growing. I think well, it's, a, it's a no brainer though, really, isn't it? If, you, if you're a punter and you like having a bet each weekend or whatever, I mean, you know, why not? I mean, it didn't cost you anything. Yeah. You might as well be a part of it. So exactly. Uh, and I think, you know, you, you, you know, the other thing is, I mean, for every for every person who gets to go racing and own a horse, most it's amazing how many people own shares and horses and don't necessarily go. So it's quite yeah, a, yeah. And a lot of people follow their horses on you know whether it's streaming on their mobile or watching the racing channels or popping yeah. on the betting shop to watch them. It's a, so that's the nice thing about this is that you know you 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 you, you know you, you get the ownership experience even if you can't actually ever get to the track to see them, you still get the full you know we get we get the jockeys reports sent to them, the the trainers reports, the trainers previews. So. It's, it's a bit like when you have a sharing horse and you get it all sent to you by the trainer, like during the pandemic. Yeah. We can do that for all our members. Yeah. Um, so tell our listeners then, how, how, how can they become a member of this, this club now then? What's the easy way? Yeah, so basically, so basically you've got to, you, know, you, you need a Coral account. So if you bet with Coral, you've got a Coral digital account. If you literally just go to the sports book, uh, there's nearly always, there's, a, there's actually a tab at the top which says Coral Racing Club. You click on that and you just log in, you log in using your Coral um account details so obviously if you're not a coral account holder yeah. uh, and you want to and you know you can you can open a coral account and you, you don't have to bet you know you could open mm. a coral account and then join the, the club so there's no there's no link to actual betting levels or you know balance or depositing or so no. actually you know it's if you're a racing fan and you're not something you know you might you might want to have the odd bet but it's not it's not a requirement to be a member of the coral racing club but you do need to uh, open an account to then join the club well, that's excellent. Thank you, Simon. Um, I wish you all the best with it because um, you know, you. I, I'm hoping that <laughs> I'm going to enjoy a bit of it as well. So uh, <laughs> Good. thank you for that. And, and hopefully, you, you, you know, maybe we, 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 we talk again in a few months and see how it's all going and we can you know, give people updates on the, uh, on the racing show to, uh, to you know, get involved. Yeah, be my pleasure. Lovely job. Thank you, Simon. Well, that was Simon Clare from Corals with all the lowdown on the new Corals Racing Club. So... Uh, Get onto their website and uh, sign up as quick as you can. Now, we're going to talk to Tom Scudamore. And Tom's going to talk to us a little bit about the new whip rules that are coming into place in the new year. Um, seem to be causing a little bit of discontent amongst the jockeys. And uh, I thought, well, let's find out from a jockey. We might find a few more yet as to uh, what they feel about the uh, changes and whether they're going to be uh, OK with... Uh, obviously implementing them. So here's what Tom had to say. Good afternoon, Tom. Thanks for coming on the show. Um, afternoon, lady. Midst of uh, very cold weather, so you've had a bit of a break, I take it, and uh, obviously with all the racing being off. Yeah, a little bit of a break. Nothing we can do about it. Same for everyone. Um, but look, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it is what it is. And you, you've got to try and keep yourself busy um, whilst it's all going on. But yeah, there's uh, you know, it's been a bit of a, a hold-up at the moment. 
but it sounds uh, in the background as though you've got plenty to keep you busy there. Yeah, little one keeping me busy. Yeah. Um, so she's taking her time, and the older older two are uh, still at finishing off school. Although one of them one of them didn't go to school yesterday because the buses were all cancelled. So uh, yeah. been keeping busy enough. Yeah. Um, Tom, a couple of things. I mean, first of all, uh, three winners in eight days, which is not too bad going uh, up until the eighth, and then obviously it all came to a halt. Um, you, you you're happy with that generally? Yeah, um, they're over fiftieth winner of the season last week. So yeah, that was a um, you know it's been a, it's good to get that up before Christmas. And I say it'd be nice to try and get up and around a hundred. Um, and the way things are going, the way David's horse has been running, there's no reason why not. And and obviously David's horses are running well. Um, that's noticeable. And you know he seems so. So you both sort of on a bit of a high then, really. Yeah, um, we've got a lot of exciting young horses. Uh, coming through, and I say that they're, they're they're doing themselves justice. So as long as you all stay fit and healthy, um, you know it's a it's a very realistic target. For well, make sure you stay fit and healthy as well, Brian. But um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about this whip rule. Now there seems to be a bit of um, a bit of controversy being blown up about it. There was uh, a piece on ITV on Saturday where uh, Nicky Devonville and um, Harry Skelton were talking about it. Well, first of all, can you explain to our listeners exactly what you've got to do to com- conform with the new rules and, and, and how you feel about it generally? Yeah, so basically um, these rules were basically told to us from July that they were probably going to be brought in. They were then rubber stamped by the BHA sort of August, September time. Um, so we had a little bit of a wait waiting on when they were going to come in uh, properly. And uh, it looks like that we're going to get uh, from January 8th a bedding in period of a month, and then from February the 8th they're coming in properly. So the the biggest change, although there are 20 um, tweaks and what have you to the rules, the the thing that's caused the most problems um, is the change from the, using the whip in the forehand position to the backhand. So uh, without being able to describe, you know, without being able to show it to you, basically mm-hmm. the best way I can describe it is that you see jockeys sort of. Um, and they've got their hands on the rein. That when they're, the way they're holding the stick, and it, that way it is in the backhand position. They take their hands off the rein and twirl it around. They put it into the forehand. So mm. you're still obviously allowed to take your hand off the rein um, in, in order to uh, you know encourage the horse, but you're no longer allowed to um, you know, twiddle it around. And, uh, you, you now got to use it in a, in a, in a different position. So um, the jockeys originally seemed all right with it, but then um, as we've been getting closer to it. I think what's what's frightened a lot of the lads is that they've been, you know, the stewards have said to them that um, you know, riding, you know, they, they, if they've had a winner, for instance, they'll be be had in by the stewards and say, look, in, in, in two months' time, it looks like you, you know, you'll you'll be getting a holiday for that kind of ride. So a lot of the lads are a little bit obviously nervous about that, but um, it's it's something you know, it's something we've got to, we've got to compromise, obviously. Now, you're aware that in any walk of life, there's always the possibility and more or less probability that there is going to be change. It's just how you accept that change and how you deal with that change. Have you have you started sort of trying it yourself, sort of unofficially, so yeah, to I've speak? Yeah, been, I've been I've been I've been trying for um, I've been trying for 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 a bit um, that that way, and I've, I've been practicing. And to be fair, it's something I've always been able to to do. Um, but not 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 everyone not everyone can do it. And, um, mm. Some the the, the lads are, are worried about the techniques they're using and what have you to do it. And actually, they're concerned that 
in order to do the backhand that they're then breaking other rules um, regarding the stick as to the position in which you you strike the horse and um, you know you're allowed to lift it above shoulder height and a, a few other lads feel that they'll they'll be striking the horse in the wrong place and or lifting it above shoulder height in the back hand position at the moment so that mm. you know that that's that that then adds to adds to your holidays so um mm-hmm. there is a little bit of there is a little bit of unrest about that but it's you know as i say it's it's you know nothing's going to be achieved by um shouting and ranting and raving and going on telly and saying how hard done by you are um you know it, it'll mm. be through um it'll it'll be through um consideration and, and through compromise and um, you know, unfortunately, the position we're in with jockeys, you've got to take responsibility for the positions we're in, yeah. um, because there have been too many, you know, too many high-profile cases. You know, say look, look at what Harry did uh, in the Coral Gold Cup the other weekend. So, you know, you, you, as jockeys, you've got to take responsibility for your actions, and um, you know, we, we've, we've got to be better. But as I say, there is, you know, it's not. There is a bit of unrest. Not unrest, is probably the wrong word, but there, there is a bit of. Um, Rumbling, noise, noise. Yeah, a bit of noise being made about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but it's you know it's up to us to, and the BHA um, to come to an agreement. You know, at the end of the day, we all want what's best for racing. Yeah. Are these new rules going to work? Time, time will tell. But I'm sure they'll need tweaking and adjusting. Yeah. Okay. And it, it says obviously you know apart from fining you financially, um, you could get um, you know a 28 day ban or whatever. Um, yeah, does that essentially stop... the, the bands the, the bands are a lot they're a lot stricter and um, you know the, the, the prize money coming in as well. So it, it is you know they're, they're they're pretty pretty tough rules. Does that mean though that I mean okay so you can't ri- ride a horse in a race, but I mean it's your profession. You want to earn some money because you've got to live. So can you can yeah. you still carry on riding out, for example, to earn something? Yeah, you can carry on riding out, but yeah. like a lot of the lads, you know, don't really get paid. You know, you're you're you know, I'm self-employed, but my my you know my my earnings come from the race course. So yeah, yeah, you know, this time of year, missing seven days is going to cost you. You know, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, best part of five figures. So you, you've you've got to, you know, let's say it's frustrating with the weather at the moment. But you're nothing you can do about that. But no, you no. Know, if you were suspended, for, if you were suspended for a week to ten days this time of the year, um, you know, basically Christmas is cancelled. Yeah, and and can you see it sort of settling down after a couple of months? I mean, you, you know, nobody yeah, nobody likes change, do they? It's it's the, it's the same. It's the same as as everything. You know, a lot of the jockey, you know, a lot of people people don't like change, and it's it, it's it's trying to um, trying to work out what's what's best for the sport. But yeah, you know, I've I've seen it happen plenty of times that um, when when the rule changes happen, nobody likes them because they're not what they used to. They just seem you know everyone seems to have got used to the last set of rules, even though they came in twelve years ago. Um, yeah. That you know, it only feels like yesterday to a lot of people. And again, you know, there's there's a lot of lads riding, you know, myself in particular, and others that have been riding like this way for 20 years or 15 years or 10 years, you know, for for a long time, and they'll be asked to do something that's completely alien to them. But mm. I'm afraid that's part and parcel of of life and the way you know, the, the 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 job we have. Well, I wish you luck, Tom. Um, I don't want to see you losing any wages. That's <laughs> for certain. So, <laughs> Try so, not to. No, Try well, not do, to do, do your best to keep your hand in the right position, then, mate. For goodness' sake. Oh, exactly. But, uh, I've but, got um, yeah, exactly, and uh, <laughs> a vocal one as well. <laughs> um, well, look, uh, you know, uh, 
hopefully you'll be back uh, uh, for Boxing Day. Have you, have you got anything in the Gold Cup? Uh, not the Gold Cup, but uh, King George, I should say. Not, not, nothing at the moment. Um, I, I don't know where I'll be. The entries for Boxing Day aren't done yet. No. Um, obviously, you know, it's all a bit up in the air. Um, yeah. It'd be nice to pick pick something up in the King George, um, but I, I don't know what yet. Hopefully, hopefully something. Well, have a, have a good Christmas and hopefully, um, you know, a good Boxing Day in particular. Uh, or what about yeah. what about the West, Welsh National? Anything in that? Uh, Welsh National. At the moment, Dave's got Jericho Rock in it, uh, his second favourite for it. But uh, he was he ran very well in the Coral Gold Cup. Um, but I don't know what what his plans are. He's still a young horse, and um, you know whether whether it's the right race for him at this stage of his career, we, we shall see. Yeah. Okay, uh, Tom. Well, thank you ever so much for coming on, and uh, hopefully no we, can, we can we can do this again in a few weeks and uh, have I'm a good look, Christmas. Look forward to it. Okay, lovely job. Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant. Cheers, cheers, cheers Tom, take it easy, bye-bye. Cheers, Eddie, take bye, care of yourself, bye. bye-bye. Well, that was Tom Scudamore there. Now we're going to talk to Joe Tizard over in Melbourne Port. Well, good morning, Joe, thanks for joining us on the show. A brisk and cold morning this morning, I'm sure. But, um, you know, how's things, how's the weather sort of affected the operation generally? Uh, the operation's um, still still fine at, ho- at home. You know, we we've, we've got all weather gallops. Yeah. Um, we can we can we can keep them going. So so getting the horses out hasn't hasn't been too tricky. Um, you know, it's actually the roads are all dry, aren't they? So they're, they're not they're not icy. So yeah. so it's um it's been that's been straightforward. A uh, bit of a bit of a pain with with the sort of trying to make plans racing wise, but um. But there it is. We we've actually t- taken advantage of the situation and got a few horses flu jab a couple of weeks earlier than normal, um, and they're going to have this break, and then they'll they'll be re- ready to go from from uh, like um, Boxing Day onwards. So um, quite enough couple of weeks recently, but we're all set to go again as soon as the thaw comes. Well, talking of Boxing Day, which uh, was one of the reasons I was ringing you. Um, What's the situation with regard to you know the King George and also the Welsh Grand National? You obviously got runners, I presume. Yeah, um, we're going to run Eldorado Allen in the King George. Um, you know he's he's had two two lovely runs so far this season. He both both times being second, picking up some decent prize money. So um, it looks like he's going to be seven or eight in the King George. Um, you know it's it's a Big ask for him to, to to go and win it, but um, but there's no reason why he can't he can't get placed in it again. Yeah, yeah, and you know the the, the weather hasn't sort of held up his, his preparation in any way. No, not at all. No, no, he's been um he's been out every day, and and you know he, he worked he worked this morning. He looks he looks fantastic. He's a pretty straightforward horse at home, and um, yeah, the weather hasn't hasn't affected us at all. And what about the Grand National, uh, Welsh Grand National? Have you got anything in there? Well, I've got four entered still, but I probably only end up running one. Yeah. You know, he's, um, we're going to run the big breakaway in it. Right. Um, nearly won at Haydock the other day, just just went down by a head. Um, but but this has been the plan for him all season. I think the tempo of the race will really suit him. And, um, you know, he's he's going in there off the back of a good run. So, um, uh, yeah, looking forward to running him in it. Talking of that race, though, uh, it, it's from a, you know a, a layman's point of view, I was sat there watching it and thinking, "Oh, he's gone, he's finished," and then and then he comes back like that. I mean, what would you put that down to? Was it was it tactical or, or did it just? Happen? No, it wasn't tactical. <laughs> I was thinking exactly the same for the first circuit, but um, I, I can only put it down to um, he had terrible short shins last year and they were bothering him all year, and um, and I think he just lost his confidence or he was expecting it to hurt, but. 
you know, we did a we did a we we, we did a small um, operation to sort out his shins, and um, and and they're, 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 there's no pain there now. And I just think that for the first circuit, he was worried it was going to hurt, and then once he realised that it wasn't, yeah. he then he then got into it and, and ran a lovely race. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the proof will be in the pudding on his next run, but. But you know, it was it was an ideal sort of preparation and timings to run him there for the Welsh National, and it looks in beautiful form at home. Well, let's hope he keeps it up until Christmas. <laughs> That's all I can well, say exactly. on that one. Um, but the other thing I wanted to ask you was: there seems to be a, a bit of a furore building up with regard to these new whip rules that are going to come in uh, in the new year. You're an ex-jockey. How how do you feel about them? I mean, you know, you obviously read up on it and you know what's going on. Uh, what do you think about it? Well, I think you know, I I think that I think where the whip rules are now are about bang on. You know, um, mm. I think that I think that harsher penalties to the jockeys wouldn't wouldn't go amiss. Um, I don't agree with disqualifications of the horses because you know that that affects me and and. And it affects the owners, but I, I think harsher penalties to the jockeys would, for, and leave it as it is, would would work out about right in my opinion. Um, you know, the the whips nowadays they they are seriously well designed and they're really strong. And um, I just have a concern that if they if they bring in this, implement this new rule, that this um, they might start they might start hitting them in the wrong position. So hopefully they can. I think they're having a having a meeting today, and they can sort of get together, and, and they'll be able to to work out a, a happy medium sort of thing. But um, I feel a bit for the jockeys. You know, it appears that they didn't they didn't have too much say in the in the matter when it was being discussed, and um, or being decided as it were, and then it's just sort of thrown on them a little bit. But yeah, um, hopefully things will be sorted out by now. Do you, do you think, though, it's almost, you know, they've always left it a little bit too late, as so people are saying, well, you know, you've known about it for God knows how long, so why are you moaning about it now? Well, I think, I think from what, from what I, I've picked up, and then, you know, once you leave the way and ring, you, you, you soon become a bit of an outsider, but yeah. from what I gather, they, they didn't realise quite how, uh, how, um, how the penalties were going to be. So, yeah. so I think that... Um, I think that's put the frighteners up a, f- up a few of the jockeys, and um, I, you know there's there's going to be some give and take. I think the jockeys are prepared to to take take stronger penalties if if we leave the rules as they are. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, it's just interesting to hear it from an ex-jockey that's now a, a trainer. Then you know the the jockeys themselves. Uh, they certainly seemed a little bit uptight on Saturday on ITV. Um, Harry Skelton was on and. Uh, Nicola did Devolvo, and uh, yeah, they were certainly a little bit uh, apprehensive. But I presume, you know, if you get banned for a, a month, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Or potentially well, a lot of money. That's a hell of a lot of money, and there's, yeah. uh, there's no other income. So, um, you know, hopefully, but, but I think the jockeys are happy to, to have those sort of penalties if, if they seriously overstep, uh, overstep the line, you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, if the penalties are stronger, they won't. They won't be making those mistakes. Simple as that. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the moment, I think there's just that sort of grey area where you know they're willing to take the risk and, and, and overstep the mark to win. Um, yeah. 
Whereas if if you double or treble the the penalties, so they won't do it, and then 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 everybody be happy, hopefully. <laughs> Well, let's hope so anyway. But uh, with Christmas coming, I know it's a busy time for you, so I'll let you get on. But uh, hopefully you have a, a successful Christmas and Boxing Day, and um, we'll speak to you again soon. Lovely. Cheers, AD. Thanks a lot, Joe. Cheers for now. Bye-bye. Well, that was Joe Tizard over at Melbourne Port, and uh, now we're going to catch up with Richard Phillips, who's uh, been looking at the King George situation. But obviously, with no racing this week, we haven't got an awful lot to talk about uh, but uh, Richard's had a, a sort of an advanced look at the King George uh, likely uh, winners, and this is what he's had to say. Right, well, good afternoon, Richard. Thanks for joining us on the show as usual. Um, no racing as such at the moment, which is causing a few problems here and there. But um, we have at least got the King George to look forward to. So I just wondered whether you could sort of cast dry over what you think's likely to be running and, uh, you know, what you think their chances are. Yeah, weather dependent on everything at the moment, but uh, as ever, uh, you can't do anything about the weather. We've been worried about ground being too firm and now we're too frosty and we've lost Cheltenham and Ascot and some great racing, but we're uh, hopefully going to have the King George on Boxing Day, one of the great races of the year, something that gets us all on the t- on the, watching the TV, if not turn up at Kempton. And this year we have a hot favourite in Brave Man's Game, uh, ever since he won Charlie Hall at um, Weatherby, he's been favourite for this race, really. He was so impressive that day. Paul Nichols has won the race many times with Corto Star, etc. And, of course, won it with Froden last year. Um, he's basically got a, got an eye on this race with Brave Man's Game for a long, long time. And he looks like a real King George type. He's won on the course last year. And he's a pretty short-priced favourite. But he's got also other runners in the race, including Hitman, the second favourite. who's going to step up in trip. He's very easy winner last time out at Aintree in a graduation chase, and he's been running over two miles and two and a half miles to a great standard, but stepping up to three miles, it just might work, and he might get a bit of improvement. You never know, he's, he might have a horse that beat his stable mate. And also he's got a horse called Pick Dory as well. He's an outsider at the moment, but uh, should he decide to go for that race, this horse likes to be left alone in front doing his own thing, as it were. He's at his best. Uh, he won the Peterborough at Huntingdon recently, again, stepping up in trip. So he's going to have a strong hand this year, but we've got Lon Presse, if he turned up, the ground was soft for Venetia Williams. He looks like a real Gold Cup challenger. He was so impressive last time out at Newcastle in a handicap with top weight. Of course, he won at the Cheltenham Festival last season. And we've uh, got Froden coming back again for the Nichols camp. So he's uh, price-wise in a racing post choice. But whether Froden can come back and do it again, I don't know. But having said that, he um, he won the Badger Beer at Wincanton with a top weight. And he's uh, he ran third at Haydock last time, but he never really goes as well at Haydock as he does uh, going right-handed, and of course, Kempton's that very track. And two interesting challenges from Ireland, possibly Envoy Allen, uh, who's again stepping back up in trip. He looked like the second coming as a young horse. Uh, he had a few problems, back issues, etc. But he, he won last time out at Down Royal, um, beating Kenboy, and he stayed on every yard that day. He was actually placing the Queen Mother uh, to Gugamain last night. So Gugamain is obviously a brilliant horse and of course this horse ran a cracking race in the Queen Mother over two miles but he looks as though he's a three mile on his last run and we also got no wee eights uh, last year's Grand National winner, he won the many clouds he's still in the race, they say they're not going to go for this race but Emmett Mullins his brilliant trainer He's he has changed his mind before or had unusual targets and they've come off and he looked really impressive last time out under Sean Bowen in the many clouds at Aintree where he had to turn a foot, it's unusual for a Grand National winner but he really 
went into overdrive going towards the last and was an impressive winner. So, all in all, a fascinating race for King George this year. And if they all turned up, it'd be hell of a race. Indeed it would. So, it's something to look forward to. I mean, obviously, you know, it's all it's all if, buts and maybes. Are they running? Are they not? What's the weather going to be like? You don't know yet. Um, so, we don't even know what the going's going to be like either. But um, if you were going to have an anti-post bet, what would you bet it and put it on? Well, I think... Um, like with all racehorses, they've got to get to the race yet. And um, I think Brave Man's game is a short price favourite. He's probably the likely winner, but he's not one for me to be backing. I would have said that um, two horses there, Envoy Allen, just maybe he's back. And if he is back, uh, something like his best, he would be interesting over three miles around, around Kempton. I mean, if he's, if he's on song, he'd have a hell of a chance, but he's not one to um, trust with your life, as it were, because he can run a bit in and out. But his last run looked a good one. And maybe Pick Dory's a big price um, at the moment, 66 to one shot. He won the Peterborough last time. Should one or two of the favourites not turn up, he just could run a big race at a big price. OK, Richard, well, that's fine. Thank you very much for that. Um, we'll obviously be able to have a look, a, a more look, certain look about it, as it were, next weekend. So, um, you know, by then you, you'll know what's happening and uh, weather-wise, everything else. So we can perhaps get a better idea then. So for the moment, thank you very much indeed for that, Richard. We'll catch up with you next week. Look forward to that, Adrian. Many thanks. Thank you. Well, now, at this point in the show, we had hoped to join Colin Brown and Dave Wilson for their exclusive tips for the weekend. But, of course, you'll all know by now, there's no racing over the weekend, other than the all-weather, which both of our tipsters are not too hot on, so we thought this week we'd give it a miss. So maybe a few bets of accumulators on the football might be worth a look at. I find the best way to do it too is to go to the National League. Obviously because our local team Yeovil is in the National League, but uh, yeah, a lot more reliable results in the National League. So just a tip, if you feel you have the uncontrollable urge to have a bet over the weekend, that's what I'd do. So that being the case, it brings us to the end of the show, I'm afraid. Um, thanks for joining us. Join us again next week. Same time, same station. Until then, stay safe.